Hello and welcome to Sunday on the Pod with Casey, Flo and Rosa. Welcome to Sunday on the Pod. Sunday on the Pod is a podcast all about musical theatre. However, this podcast isn't just for performers, but it's for anyone who loves musical theatre. Each episode, we cover musicals that some of you may love, some of you might hate, or maybe you've never heard of them before. Either way, we will be singing and dancing about them. If you didn't already know, we pick a musical and discuss its plot, the show's creators, dissecting specific songs lyrically, musically, delving into any juicy gossip in our brand new segment called Stage Door Secrets, and my personal favourite, putting on our very own casting director hats and choosing a fantasy cast with another brand new segment, The Mega Mix Casting. And to make it even better, this episode is a Christmas special. So what are you waiting for? Sit back and enjoy the pod. And just a reminder to everyone that the best way to support our show is by rating reviewing us wherever you listen. So we're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And you can keep up with us on socials. We're at Sunday on the Pod on Insta and Twitter. And you can also find us on our Facebook page, Sunday on the Pod. And I believe we may have a new TikTok. Sunday on the Pod, am I right, Casey? Yes, yes, Sunday on the Pod. <laughs> Watch out, world. Watch out, Gen Z. <laughs> I think we're all Gen Z, aren't we? Yeah, I think I'm, we are. I'm just on the cusp. Ooh, Gen Z wow. ends. No, wait, Gen Z. Millennials end 1996 and Gen Z starts 97. Oh, I'm like, well, I'm 98. I'm definitely a Gen Z there. I'm March 97. So you're Millennial Z. Am I? <laughs> yeah. No, Could no, be. I'm Gen Z. <laughs> I'm Gen Z. I'm Gen Z. I'm Gen Please, I'm Gen Z. <laughs> I love it. How are we all feeling about Christmas. Um, not being funny, a little bit scared because it's it's two weeks away. It's two weeks away, which is insane, and I haven't got any Christmas presents. And I'm just like, well, okay, I should have done Black Friday shopping, but <laughs> I didn't. I missed it, and uh, yeah, a little bit panicky, but it was fine. I know. I made like literally in November. I made my Christmas spreadsheet with like my budget. Like who for what their budget was. Oh yeah, she's a spreadsheet queen. Um, wow. And then populated maybe two presents, bought those, and I'm now like, oh great, it's the eleventh of it's the eleventh of December as we're recording this, and I have two out of ten Christmas presents bought. <laughs> so I am panicking. I'm quite organized, but there are like there's now one person who I'm really struggling for because I pride myself on giving great presents every year. I go above and beyond and I probably do spend too much money on people, but I just love it. I really, I really love giving gifts, but I am that annoying person. That's yeah. But I love sitting there, watch people open them and I'm like, (laughs) what makes a lot of people feel very uncomfortable. (laughs) Do you like, like, have you seen the memes where it's like, mum's on the sofa watching you open the presents? <laughs> and it's like, that little boy with a mug of tea, like, that is me. <laughs> Which, yeah, makes some people very uncomfortable, but I'm like, I just love giving. Um, oh, that's really cute. <laughs> and I'm very in tune with what we're covering today. So it's a Christmas special, guys. Our first ever Christmas special. 
What else could it be on this very special Christmas episode other than a Muppets Christmas Carol? Whoop, oh, whoop. yeah. <laughs> there Can't are actually wait. several other Christmas musicals out there, but we decided that this one was the way to go. <laughs> we chose something a little bit more classy, I think. I think that's we what did. we went for. <laughs> we, we were like, what is the most acting. Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> We thought White Christmas, that classic. Uh, no, we'll go with the Muppets Christmas Carol, please. <laughs> <laughs> I have no regrets. There's a very good reason. It's a cult classic. It's a family favourite. And at the end of the day, it's just a heck lot of fun. It's very, very funny. It's a very, very funny movie. And you kind of don't really get all the humour when you're a kid. And then when you watch it as an adult, you're like, oh, this is actually quite clever. <laughs> it's really nostalgic for me because this is one of those that is that was on every single Christmas as a child. This was all like we always watched this at least once. So it feels like it feels like home. It, it feels like home to me. It feels like it's home. Tasty tiny Tim. <laughs> you know what? Actually, actually, uh, there's there's actually loads of like extra characters in this that literally sound like that. They're like, oh, cool God, like I think there's like I, I think there's like a turkey that's like like in like a barrel. It's like, please don't pluck me, sir. Like it's just it's so, <laughs> it's so stupid. I, I know it. you do have to reckon with though, like when it's like um that kind of uh. It's not anthropomorphic. Yeah, anthropomorphic, I think. Um, when it's like animals and humans mixing and at the like yeah. obviously at the end of a Christmas Carol, this isn't a spoiler because if you don't know the story of a Christmas Carol, I'm concerned. Where have you been? Um yeah. <laughs> but when, when Scrooge is like Yeah, where have you been? Um when Scrooge is like to Kermit, like, do you wanna come over for uh, a big turkey feast? And you are like, That's a frog eating a turkey. Yeah, it's a frog <laughs> eating a turkey. Also <laughs> Um, the he's married to Miss Piggy, and they have four children, two of which are frogs and two of which are pigs. Which I know, but would... I just don't want to overthink it too much. I I don't want to, to start thinking about how those children were conceived or how they were they didn't become some sort of freak crossbreeding experiment. <laughs> but do you know what I love about that though? At some point in like the kind of Muppets history. When like Miss Piggy and Kermit, maybe they were like, oh, we're they're putting them in a family setting. I don't know if this was the first time that they've had like a family in a, any Muppets thing, but genuinely there would have been a group of writers whose job that day would have been to discuss what are the possible outcomes of a <laughs> frog pig hybrid, and can we show that to children? And clearly, what they went with because it is so horrifying. No, we'll have two pigs and two frogs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really love them. The The daughters really make me laugh. They're just like mini Miss Piggies and they're actually called Bettina and Belinda and I've never okay. noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> Bettina and Belinda. That's so funny. They are so cute. Oh, I love Miss Piggy. So, Muppets Christmas Carol then. Um, you will all know this, uh, but it's of course based on the 1843 novella A Christmas Carol by Mr. Charles Dickens. Um, of course, it's one of his most kind of famous works, um, but what you might not know, it was first published in 1843 uh, by the publishers Chapman and Hall. 
It was actually written during a time where Britain was going through a kind of renaissance period about Christmas traditions. Um, so obviously Christmas caroling, that was like a really popular thing, but they were also had the invention of kind of newer traditions, which was the kind of decoration of Christmas trees and sending Christmas cards. So Christmas was kind of undergoing a period of um, latching onto the old traditions and, and trying out new ones. Uh, so a lot of kind of academics have said that the character of Ebenezer Scrooge transforming from a kind of selfish curmudgeon to a kinder, more giving man is actually an allegory for Christianity. Obviously, Charles Dickens was a Christian and it is meant to be kind of who the Christian man or woman should strive to be someone who is like kind and generous and giving to those in need oh that's um, really interesting I know isn't it interesting I never clocked that before but I suppose it's like a good Samaritan kind of thing right yeah the themes of poverty and the kind of ill treatment towards the working classes was apparently said to be inspired by a visit that Charles Dickens took to a place called the Field Lane Ragged School so ragged schools uh, were, quote unquote, charitable organisations for poverty stricken children that offered kind of, I think they were funded through kind of Church of England and they offered free education, food, clothing and accommodation because basically, how horrible is this? Um, a lot of poverty stricken children weren't allowed to attend Sunday school. Yeah, their kind of unkept appearance, probably because they were up the chimneys, um, was seen as like unseemly for Sunday school. So they weren't allowed to go. So these schools were kind of, I think they began as kind of Christian organizations to be like, well, we need to reach out to the poor and make sure that they're involved in um, in religion, but also then extended to be more pastoral and actually caring for like their hunger needs and their you know basic human rights needs. So Charles Dickens went to visit one of them and he was so upset by the story that he decided to create a Christmas carol. Um, the story was published on the 19th of December, 1943, and it was sold out by Christmas Eve. So Why? Dickens was, yeah, come on. Christmas Eve, baby. Um, and of course, <laughs> it would go on to become one of Dickens' most favoured and successful works. And did you know that it has never been out of print since its first publication? So since wow. 1843, it's been in continuous print because it's just such a popular book. And I thought this was really sweet. Dickens himself actually did public readings of the story. Um, so he started obviously doing that in 1843 and he died in 1870. Guess how many public readings he did of A Christmas Carol? Wait, give give those dates again. When was it? So uh, it was published in 1843 and he died in 1870. So it's 27 years. Oh God, really like... Oh. 500 oh right okay always always overzealous with it (laughs) (laughs) no okay there it's anticlimactic 127 which i still think is really impressive it's a lot when he's it's a lot he's a busy man you know yeah, he was writing David copperfield yes like he had that is true he's got other books he's also working on So A Christmas Carol, of course, it's been adapted countless times for stage and screen. But the idea for the Muppets film adaption actually came about following Jim Henson's death in May 1990. For those who don't know, Jim Maury Henson, which I always think is a funny middle name or first name, uh, Maury Povich, um, (laughs) was an American (laughs) puppeteer, animator, cartoonist, actor, inventor, and filmmaker I was like inventor hold on a second because inventor to me I'm I just think of something like really wack I think of like Wallace and Gromit 
when I think of inventor. Um, yeah. Tried to, I was like, what did he invent? This is so exciting. I think it's just, from what I could see, it was just like different mechanisms for puppetry, which is cool, but like, it's not as exciting as if it was like, he invented an invisible wallet. Like that would have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Um, why would you need an invisible wallet? I, I know what a random, a random thing to pluck Actually, out. Actually, I think it's quite helpful because pickpockets they never get mocked again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Jim Henson, most notably, uh, created the Muppets and Fraggle Rock, which was a kind of similar puppet-based show, um, which I've never seen, but my dad always calls us fraggle rock like he's like what are you up to fraggle fraggle rock and i've never understood <laughs> that but clearly that's a reference for him um he also this is kind of little known he also directed the dark crystal in 1982 and the worldwide phenomenon labyrinth in 1986 which starred david bowie um flo will obviously delve into jim henson a little bit later on but for now let's focus on why we're here it's the muppets so uh, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, Fraggle, Fraggle Rock. rock. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> the Muppets are an ensemble. The Muppets are an ensemble cast uh, made up of puppets. Fun, um, known for their large presence across many iconic, family-friendly American TV shows. Um, so they first appeared, um, I believe, in Sesame Street. And then, of course, they had The Muppet Show, which ran for five years and received four Emmy Awards and 21 nominations. <laughs> 21 <laughs> nominations for The Muppets. So they were clean enough. Imagine being like a really serious dramatic actress and you're up in the same <laughs> And category, a Muppet like, takes Miss the Piggy. award. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, yeah fair enough. was like... Nowadays, it's like Jeremy Strong for his performance in Succession, and he's up against like Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> like Meryl Streep sat there for like Sophie's Choice, and Miss Piggy beats her out. Like, <laughs> um, so Jim Henson created the Muppets in the 1950s, and the word Muppet is actually a combination of the words marionette and puppet, which is not as clever as I think he thought it was. <laughs> Hey, look, I, I didn't know that. So my mind I is, didn't know that my, either. My mind is slightly blown. <laughs> um, Kermit the Frog, who is arguably his most famous Muppet, uh, was actually one of Henson's first creations. The Green Frog takes the part of the kind of everyman protagonist in all of the Muppet shows, films and productions and is well known for his long courtship of Muppet gay icon, Miss Piggy. Um, small variation on that name. We call my cat Miss Pigatha sometimes because we think it's <laughs> There is a rumour that Kermit was named after a childhood friend of Jim Henson, um, which he actually had. So he did have a childhood friend called Kermit. But there's actually smoke and mirrors around this because Jim Henson also had multiple colleagues called Hermit, uh, called Kermit, which I just, I've never heard that name. I've never heard that unless name. Unless it's in regard to the frog. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. So there was Kermit Love, which what a beautiful name! That is gorgeous. Kermit Love, oh, um, and Kermit Calman Cohen, uh, who I think one was like a writer, one was like a producer, um, who were also reportedly the inspiration for the character. So he just knew a bunch of Kermits, um, which I just think <laughs> is mad. Back to the Muppets Christmas Carol then. 
After Jim Henson died, a talent agent called Bill Haber went to Henson's son, Brian, who is also a puppeteer. We'll move on to the massive, uh, almost monarchy of (laughs) the puppet world that is the Henson family uh, later. (laughs) But they went to Brian with the idea for the adaption um, and said to him that they'd actually already sold the idea to ABC, which I think is a really odd thing to do is to like sell your idea for a, a Muppets film adaption then go to the son of Jim Henson and be like, oh my God, I've had this great idea. You should do it. Also, I've already sold it. <laughs> it just seems really <laughs> By the odd. way, it's all, we're already doing it. So hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> Brian didn't seem too faced by this weird move though, as he ended up producing and directing the film. Um, the script was written by Jerry Jewell, who has been a writer for the Muppets for years. And there's a couple of fun little facts here that I thought would be, would be nice. As a nod to the original story, Dickens um, appears as the kind of narrator um, and he's played by Gonzo because they said he was like the least unlikely Muppet to be cast as Dickens and they thought that was funny um, and they also lift um, all, basically 95% of Dickens narration um, and like script from the film directly from A Christmas Carol so it's Dickens like third person narrative describing the streets and stuff that Gonzo actually says which I, I've never clocked that before that it's actually lifted directly from the book and uh, Rizzo the Rat which is just a great drag name, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> I love that. To the main stage, Rizzo the Rat. <laughs> Category is trash. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Bless him. Um, and he's meant to kind of serve as like a Greek chorus style narrative tool. Um, so ABC were so impressed by the film script that they decided to change the film um, from a TV movie to a fully funded feature. And they cast juggernaut film star Michael Kine as Ebenezer Scrooge, who reportedly <laughs> said upon his casting, I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. I will never do anything Muppety. I'm going to play Scrooge as if it's an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me. Which I think definitely comes across yeah, in the film. Like he is he is taken his moment and it's very good. And it, it's good to see that sincerity because it works so well as a juxtaposition to the silliness of the Muppets. <laughs> that was a sentence. That was definitely a quote <laughs> of, the, of the episode. <laughs> the juxtaposition well. <laughs> of the Muppets. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> Also, which I think is quite interesting, he actually took inspiration for the role from, uh, this is what he said, Wall Street cheats and embezzlers because he thought they represented a very good picture of meanness and greed, which I would agree with. But I think that's interesting that that's where he took his inspo from. So filming then, it took place in England at Shepherd's Studios and a couple of fun facts about the production. Um, The film obviously required the puppets and the actress to be in the same shot for the majority of the film. But because obviously the Muppets are maybe like well a foot and a half two foot um they actually had to remove the floors in the studio to allow Michael Caine to walk across the planks below so that he was at like a not like a similar height to Muppets because obviously they are smaller but like at a height that they could be in the same shot um and he walked uh on the planks kind of between the Muppets and like the people who controlled the puppets um they also handmade all the buildings um for the kind of like London street shots but to give the illusion, which is like a fairly like normal trick, I think, in, in film production, 
that the streets were longer they obviously made they painted the buildings at the front the forefront of the shot to be like normal and then the ones in the back to be like shorter because obviously it gives the illusion that it's like going down a street but (laughs) during the last musical sequence it feels like christmas great song um they do like a crane shot that overlooks like the whole of london and obviously it overlooks the building set so it's really obvious um that it's like why have we got all these tiny tiny buildings but brian henson said quite interestingly which I think just shows what a good time they were having on set, that they noticed it during filming and they were just like, it's fun. Like, it's yeah, fine. It's yeah. just fun. <laughs> Which I quite like. Um, so it was released theatrically in 1992, and despite only making a moderate amount of the box office, probably because it was competing with the release of Home Alone 2 and the kind of Disney superstar film Aladdin, um, and it did actually have quite middling reviews at the time, it has gone on to become a kind of beloved family favourite and a bit of a sleeper hit. It continues to remain a popular Christmas movie and Michael Caine's very sincere and honestly pretty profound performance has gone on to impress critics and audiences alike. So, quick question, a little bit of trivia, how much do you think it made overall at the box office? Bear in mind, this is 1992. I'm going to go... I'm was that a million or a million million? <laughs> Eight, 87 million <laughs> is my guess. Casey, you'd be a very good accountant, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> million, million. <laughs> Love. Uh, I am going to go a little bit lower. I think 1992. I'm going to say like 20 million. And the Christmas winner is its flow it made 27.2 million oh that's still a lot i mean it's a lot of money and i think compared to i can't remember what the budget was but i think it was like it made its budget and a big profit i think the budget was like something like 12 million i think yeah because really what are you paying for the muppets already exist (laughs) what are you paying for (laughs) like what are you paying for but they're also not real (laughs) you're not getting paid a day rate (laughs) so true what are the Muppet expenses (laughs) oh dear Um, no of course there are actors behind the Muppets who are incredibly impressive and I hope they got paid very well um yeah but only 27.2 million um which is just and bear in mind that's just at box office so it's probably gone on to make so much more in streaming services and dvd releases and stuff like that but it's not big um but it's weird though that they did it at the same time as aladdin because aladdin is such like a big disney movie that it's just weird that they decided to drop at the same time well they i mean it's hard not to i guess because it's christmas and it was abc And I think Disney then yeah. bought the rights for it afterwards. So, right, I yeah, see. it's a, it's a tough one. So Muppets Christmas Carol made 27.2 million. How much do you think one of its competitors, Aladdin, made at the box office in 1992? I'm going to say what Casey said, which was like 57 million. I'm going to say, I'm going to say a billion. <laughs> A million billion. (laughs) A billion. I love that. I'm aiming high. 
I have no concept. Is kind of well. I don't think I. I don't think she's closest. No, she is closest. I'm gonna go with she's closest, even though I think technically Flo is. It was five hundred and four point one million. Whoa! That's halfway, halfway That's there. That's crazy. I can't believe that. I know. Muppets. That's crazy. Well, on that note, I am going to talk a little bit about the creatives who are based in that movie. So we've already kind of touched on him, but I'm going to go back. Uh, so the director, the producer was a guy called Brian Henson, who you may or may not heard of just previously, if you were listening. Um, he is a puppeteer director, producer, voice actor, and chairman of the Jim Henson Company. Uh, As you may already know, his father was Jim Henson, who was the creator of The Muppets. And quite interesting, Brian, um, obviously being a voice actor, he performed in other movies in his early career, including Jack the Pumpkinhead, oh, sorry, Jack Pumpkinhead in Return to Oz, which I didn't know. I know, and principal performer for Audrey 2 Puppet in Little Shop of Horrors. <gasps> I know! Can, I saw that, I was like, no way. In the movie? Yeah, so he's controlling the mouth. Wow. wow. Okay, talk about when worlds collide. Yeah, incredible. But also, do you want to hear something even more spooky? So you know you were talking about Labyrinth earlier. He was the voice of Hoggle in the film. <gasps> I know. Oh, I am hot. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's him. <laughs> that's very good, Kitty. That Thank was you. very good. That was very good. Actually. I do. Uh, I could do a really good array of the voices of Labyrinth. I can also do. Um, Don't go that way. You would have gone straight to that castle. <laughs> <laughs> so niche. Um, <laughs> so the next guy I'm going to talk about is the writer, and his name is Jerry Jewell spelt J-U-H-L. He is a television and film writer, and I found an interesting quote. So the sister of uh, of Brian Henson, Lisa Henson, um, she said that Jerry has so much of the humour, irreverence, caring, and heart behind the Muppets. He was in many ways the real voice of the Muppets which I thought was so sweet. Jerry! Um, I know. What an absolute sweetheart. Um, So yeah, so he was the head writer on The Muppet Show from season two to five, um, as comedian Jack Burns wrote season one. Jewel co-wrote The Muppets movie with Jack Burns, so the writer of season one, um, for which uh, the two shared a Saturn Award nomination for best writing. Uh, He was then also nominated for a shared Emmy four times and his writing on the Muppet show finally winning the award in 1981 for outstanding writing in a variety music or comedy program oh that's so cute oh my god I wonder who I was well, that was a dumb question I was no, going to say who went up on stage to collect the award but it's obviously it's probably Jerry <laughs> <laughs> it was probably it was like... probably Miss Piggy <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think the other really important person to include in this particular one is um, Miles Goodman, who wrote the music. Um, and he is the com- he does a lot of kind of composition for TV and film. 
I think it's also interesting, he did a lot of orchestration for other movies. So he scored the music for Footloose in 1984. He did About Last Night in 1986, Little Shop of Horrors in 1986, Dirty Rotten Scandrels in 1988. Um, and he did Sister Act 2 in 1993. So there's Sister like... Sister Back in the Habit. Yeah. So, he, so he's got like a real array of different movies that he does, um, which is just like, you would never put Muppet's Christmas Carol with Sister Act, but it just shows that he's got a lot... A lo- he's got a lot of uh, got a lot of strings to his bow. Um, Do you know that but- me and my sister, when we were younger, essentially watched three films on repeat for about 10 years... And it was Sister Act 1 and 2. We counted it as one film. Um, about a boy, which was definitely inappropriate. Um, <laughs> Anna Lunichian's movie. Love. Those were like our three films that we <laughs> what were just a, obsessed an eclectic with. mix. <laughs> I know. It's so it odd. says a lot about you, Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I still love Sister Act 1 and 2, though. Ugh, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's done a lot. And he, he gained a reputation um under kind of like that genre of uh film music as the king of comedy so they had a really really strong team for the muppets so so if you didn't already know what the plot was i'm going to give you a little brief overview um So the story follows the same plot as A Christmas Carol, which we know, with the only changes being that some of the characters are, you guessed it, played by Muppets. Um, This includes the narrators (laughs) Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat, which are my favourite. They are my favourite addition, I think. The story follows Ebenezer Scrooge, an elderly financier. Financier? Is that the right word? Financier. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I actually had to Google what that word meant because I just thought he worked in a bank and it turns out he doesn't. He doesn't. He is a financier who is bitter and angry at the world around him. An unkind, emotionless man. On Christmas Eve, a holiday he very much dislikes, he is visited by the ghosts of his former business partners and told he will be visited by three more ghosts that evening. Throughout the night, a terrified Scrooge is visited by the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future. And through these visits, Scrooge is faced with the reality in which his actions have affected those around him and how he will be thought of in the future. Most notably, the way his actions have affected one of his workers at the firm, Bob Cratchit, whose positive attitude has often annoyed Scrooge. But through seeing Bob's home life, living in poverty with his wife and children, one of whom is assumed to be critically ill, Scrooge softens and realises the way his actions are affecting those closest to him. After these visits, Scrooge awakens on Christmas Day a new man, buying turkey for Christmas dinner and donating it to the Cratchit family and spreading positivity for Christmas. Oh, the Christmas spirit. And making a frog eat turkey. I still can't get past it. <laughs> also, presumably Miss Piggy's also eating that, so it's a pig eating a turkey. Also, there's got to be some pigs in blankets on the table. Is Miss Piggy bringing her children to watch? Uh, it's like a, I don't, it's like a cannibal thing. It's freaking me <laughs> out. I think, I think you just need to not overanalyze it too much and just suspend <laughs> the disbelief and let the Muppets be Muppets. I think that's what we've got to do with this. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs>
So quick rundown then of the Muppets versus their A Christmas Carol counterpart. We have the great Gonzo as Charles Dickens. We have a Kermit the Frog as Bob Cratchit. We have Miss Piggy as his wife, Emily Cratchit. We have Rizzo the Rat as a kind of co-narrator. We have Fozzie Bear as Fozzie Wog, which is very cute. We have Robin the Frog, which is Miss Piggy and um, Kermit's son, playing Tiny Tim Cratchit. We have Waldorf and Statler playing the Marley and Marley, which is uh, Scrooge's old business partners. Um, And we have Sam Eagle playing the schoolmaster. Um, In terms of human uh, actors, we have, of course, Michael Caine playing Scrooge. We have Steve McIntosh as Fred, Ebenezer Scrooge's nephew. Meredith Braun as Belle, who's Scrooge's former love interest. Robin Weaver as Clara, who is the niece-in-law and Fred's wife. And then we have Jessica Fox as the ghost of Christmas past. So obviously there's lots of different adaptations of A Christmas Carol. What makes this one extra special is obviously we've got Muppets, but it also includes lots of music. So Casey, what is your favourite song from A Christmas Carol? It is very hard to choose, but I went with Bless Us All purely because it makes me sad. It's it's such a cute, like wholesome little song sung by Tiny Tim. It's kind of at the point where the family is is talking about like the hardships that they're going through and what like the they're facing, especially with the illness that Tiny Tim has that is never explicitly mentioned, is it? So you're right, Casey. Um, Dickens never explicitly said what Tiny Tim's illness was, but um, it's kind of been proposed that it is probably renal tubular acidosis, uh, which is a type of kidney failure causing the blood to become acidic. Um, it's also been proposed that it could be rickets because obviously there's like the kind of leg crutch thing that he has and he's like very unwell. He has an infection. Both illnesses were treatable during that time, but fatal if not treated. Obviously, if you were kind of working class, if you were living in poverty, you might not have the means to kind of buy the medicines necessary. So this song is um, kind of Tiny Tim giving hope to the family for Christmas because I think they're all... <laughs> it's it's so upsetting sorry um the they're all kind of like down on the luck and not having a great time and the family is fighting and he brings them all together with this cute little song and i'm just going to read to you uh, one of my favorite um verses bless us all who gather here the loving family that i hold dear no place on earth compares with home and every path will bring me back from where i roam Oh, it's so sweet. lyrical genius. It's it's just really cute, and it's really nice to see because this is kind of also this is why I chose this song. This is kind of also the moment where you see Scrooge's heart start to like soften. Um, yeah, he says like, "What a remarkable boy!" <laughs> just like that. Just like that. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so in sync. <laughs> It's it's really like the moment where you can see Scrooge's heart start to soften and, and he's seeing the error of his ways and like how greed and things like don't really, they're not really a necessity in the Christmas holidays. Um, 
Moving on to bless us all that as we live, we always comfort and forgive. We have so much that we can share with those in need we see around us everywhere. Oh, Which, God. It's just so <sighs> heart-wrenching, isn't it? And he's, if we like follow back that kind of Christian allegory of like Scrooge becoming the kind of persona that every Christian should strive to be, like Tiny Tim is obviously meant to be a kind of Jesus figure. He's like yeah. the sacrificial lamb, I guess, to make um, Scrooge see the er- error, to make Scrooge see the error of his ways. And he's also held up as this like, this kind of pure child who has never sinned, just like innocent Fill, filled with love I guess so I think it's meant to be like an allegory for like God's son Jesus who only all that man knew was love yeah. Um, also sang by a tiny green frog yeah. he's Why so not? cute <laughs> he is adorable and his tiny little crutch that he has is so cute and then at the end of the song is like we said you obviously see like Scrooge's like persona start to change a little bit and he's kind of seeing like seeing the light as it were um, but the bit where he goes, tell me, does Tiny Tim live? Um, kind of shows you that he's not so mean after all, and he does care. Yeah, that was his like first big thing, isn't it? Tell me, please. And does then, Tiny uh, Tim we... live? <laughs> um, Gonzo does turn around at that point and says, he didn't die! Which is one of my favourite parts of the film. <laughs> Is that just in this ver- I swear he does die in every other version. Yeah, the whole point is that he would have died and like that's kind of the one of the catalysts for Scrooge changing is that he doesn't change his ways then they'll never get the money to or like the do you know what I mean to heat the home and to blah 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 so without the money or without the kindness then yeah Tiny Tim won't live and that's like that's yes, one of the big now, things that he sees that upsets him. Now you've said that I do remember the scene I'm saying this, remember, I literally watched this four days ago, but this is my memory. But uh, when the ghost of Christmas future shows him like the next Christmas, it's just a tiny crutch by the fire. Oh, yeah. Oh, no! Oh, God. I know. I know. It's heartbreaking. (laughs) Oh, baby. And on that note, um, my favourite song, actually one of my favourites, because there's lots of bangers in this in this uh, show, but one of my favourites is One More Sleep Till Christmas, which is sung by the star Kermit the Frog, um, which is a little bit more cheery. Um, and it's kind of like, uh, it's quite peppy, kind of as, as like a Christmas song goes. So um, the music has written in that it should be performed modern, um moderately bright which kind of gives it away um it's in 4-4 tempo which is quite like a standard time signature so nothing too daring or complicated um the piece starts in mezzo forte which is kind of like middle loud so it's nothing too kind of quiet um and yeah like it's a very peppy light-hearted start and it really kind of makes you feel that excitement about christmas um as any good christmas song should do um and uh so it's performed in g major so it's a very kind of happy song um which kind of uh contradicts quite nicely with the kind of bar humbug beginning that everyone knows about scrooge where it's like the muppets are like we're still really looking forward to christmas like it's that really like sweet like almost like comedic 
element to the movie. It's like a song that you have to bob your head from side to side. Yeah, like da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. More sleep to kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's super cute. Um, So the first verse uses the same uh, uses the same motif quite a lot. Sometimes embellishing it, sometimes having a few variations. But it's that kind of beginning one that's like, there's magic in the air. Like they use that over and over. So it's like, it's a very simple melody, which is very easy to sing along to, as is any good Christmas song. Like it's nothing too majorly complicated because people need to be able to sing along to it. Um, As it kind of goes on, it embellishes the piano and the orchestration behind it, um, kind of underneath that verse one into verse two. Um, and what I really like is that it involves lots of kind of instruments that are quintessentially very, very British. So it has, not British, quintessentially very, very Christmassy. Um, so it has like a really gorgeous like trumpet line, which I always think reminds me of like ding dong merrily on high. Like it always has like that kind of element to the song. And it has this really cute like tinkling sound, which kind of adds because it's like a children's Christmas movie, but it's also that like Christmas, like I, th- I think it's a xylophone, but it's that like tinkling magic sound, which is very Christmassy, very Disney-esque. Um, and then it kind of, the music like drives you into verse two, um, which then introduces like this like really cheeky, like maraca line underneath. So it's kind of like adding that like playful nature underneath the line. It also really helps to kind of drive the rhythm of the song and kind of make it a bit more like excitement and the building. Cause obviously the song is about one more sleep till Christmas. So they're trying to build that uh, in. We then go into a bridge. So it's quite a very standard structure musically it's like first one verse two bridge instrumental break first three like that's it that's the structure uh the instrumental break i love because it's even more embellishments on that orchestra line has lots of like call and response motifs and kind of mirroring between the different orchestra parts which i always kind of thought was a bit like how the muppets interact with each other and how like even you've got like big muppets small muppets but they all like they're all very like chatty with one another it's that like hustle and bustle <laughs> um which i thought was quite sweet and you kind yeah, of they hear, are like, so hustle and bustly yeah especially in that like opening song uh scrooge there's like that whole like bit where they're all like rah, 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 kind of walking around which is really cute um they're and- a true ensemble Definitely. Which I think is nice that it's mirrored in like the, like the music is that it is there's no I mean there's a there's a lot, obviously lots of solos but the kind of big numbers they really make use of that ensemble singing which is just so nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but within that instrumental line, it also has really gorgeous moments. Like there's a really beautiful like soaring string motif that comes in and like a clarinet line as well. So it's really building and building in this kind of instrumental. And then it kind of softens into verse three, uh, finishing with Kermit singing his solo line. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas. Um, And that is literally just a vocal line and a strings line. And the music has written in what's called a a ritardando, which is shortened writ dot, uh, meaning to gradually decrease in tempo, which kind of is like, I mean, again, it's like a very Christmassy thing. Any like old school Christmas carol, Disney Christmas carol, it always ends like, like it always has like a slow, like classic Disney ending. Um, 
and I also think just like because I mean guys I, I love a good music kind of analysis it also finishes on a major which basically like a major finish to a song feels very like conclusive has a full stop to the end of the song um which again is just like a very kind of Disney thing to do where like the song has a has a really like good ending um but yeah it also has that lovely, like, you think it's finished because he goes, one more sleep till Christmas, and then it stops. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> it just it always makes me laugh whenever I hear it. It's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think that's part of, like, how the Muppets are. Like, they're always trying to do something that's a bit, like, cheeky and a bit comedic. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big honourable mention, um, song-wise, to Scrooge, because I think it is one of the best numbers in the show. It is genuinely, like, a great opening. Like, obviously, we are... This is a silly Christmas episode. We're not holding the Muppets Christmas Carol to the same standard that we would of other (laughs) musicals and other lyrical... Other lyric and songwriting. Um... But I think Scrooge really holds up as a fantastic opening number. It sets the scene for where we are. It introduces the hierarchy of characters. It introduces the villain. It introduces the main kind of dramatic um, premise of the show. I think it is a genuinely fantastic number, like as an opening number goes. It's so good. And I love, like, I love the like the refrain (laughs) but i'd love those little silly three-part harmonies as well they're just so cute and complete like they're very like easy listening to because it's obviously meant for children but it's a song that brings me a lot of joy now i was gonna say but also everyone's favorite lyric is the little mice that sit in the hole that are like, no cheese is for us, Mises. Like, that is the best line in the whole show. So if you're listening to this right now, just go and watch Scrooge and just just watch that opening number because it is so cute the way that they do it. And the good news is that the mice do actually get cheese. Yeah, it's just yeah, so... Exactly. It's so- there is a happy ending. It's storytelling done right. They <laughs> they've got uh they they identify a problem at the start of the show. There's no cheeses for us Mises. and by the end it's been resolved. There's cheeses for Mises. It's just <laughs> fantastic dramatic uh, resolution. One of my so favorite cute. dramatic moments in the whole show is we're Marley and Marley. <gasps> so good. Why is that song I, so good? It's so good. I also love those characters, the campy little old men that sit in like sit in the theatre box. What a great choice for their characters. The song for um our listeners is they are Scrooge's old business partners and they come and tell him that he's gonna be visited by the two the three ghosts of Christmas, um, past, present, future. But they are just, yeah, as Casey said, kind of camp. Like it's really <laughs> odd. And they also, that that bit where they're like, we're Marley and Marley is so great to me. It's so good. I just love the way that Michael Caine interacts with the Muppets. He truly does treat them like fellow actors. I feel like he was acting as if he was in a BBC drama. Well, he said he was acting as if he was at the Royal Shakespeare Company. And they were doing a production of A Christmas Carol. It's amazing. In retrospect to that, in the Muppets movie that Tim Curry is in, he fully accepts himself as a Muppet. 
and they are both brilliant. They are both brilliant performances. But it works. He, I think Michael Caine has to do that for this because oh, it definitely. Is, it's an English classic. Contrast. It's yeah, exactly. It's a literary masterpiece, and they treat it. I would say, you know, very. They are not making fun of a Christmas Carol. They are just translating it into a Muppet world. But the yeah. reason why it works is because we have Mike, and it's like I don't know whoever came up with the idea of like, no, we need a human Scrooge. Like that, I, whoever that they cracked the success. I think to that show, yeah. they could have easily had Gonzo as Scrooge. I guess like that would have fit in. But it's just there's something much more. I don't know. I, it just works so much better having like a, a human there and having like an actor with you know such caliber as Michael Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> So it's Christmas, and as you probably already heard, we've had a little bit of a switch around. So Casey has taken uh, one of the songs for this episode, which means Rosa is taking on stage the secrets. Um, So I'm just going to run you through a little bit of trivia and a little bit of gossip uh, behind the scenes of A Muppet's Christmas Carol. So first things first, there's a missing song. Um, there is a song that was written and filmed for the show called When Love Is Gone and it's sung by the character Belle who is Scrooge's kind of ex-lover so she, it's basically um, he is proposed to Belle but he's not married her it's been a couple of years and she says when are we going to get married and he's like well, we don't have enough money for it yet but really they do have enough money and actually does that really matter you're just in love Um and she basically is saying that his obsession for money has overtaken his love and affection for her. Um, and it was cut from the film by executives who basically thought it was too difficult, I think, for children to understand the kind of nuances of love and and things like that. But it was included during the film's credits at its original release. So Brian Henson, obviously, who directed the film, he really disagreed with the exec's decisions to cut When Love Is Gone. And it's since become like quite a popular song. Um, So there's a kind of really odd situation with this where they've released and re-released DVD uh, versions of A Muppet's Christmas Carol. They've done like different anniversary showings. They've done Blu-ray. They've done a whole host of different like editions. And it's very on off whether they include the sequence or not because it's filmed and it's part of the film. And the version that I watched ahead of recording this episode did include it. But they basically just pick and choose like when they want to include it and when they don't. I think it's when it's maybe like a, when it's like an anniversary, it's more geared towards adults being nostalgic, I guess. So they include it um, on the streaming service. It didn't have it included. Now it does on Disney Plus. They have it included, but as a like an added feature, like when you go into like uh, you can click through and say like bonus features of the film. And as recently as 2018, it was still causing drama. Brian Henson actually claimed that Disney had lost the film negatives and the video master, so it wasn't able to be included in anything else. Disney archivists then were like, oh no, we we found it, don't worry. And now it's included, uh, as I said, on the Disney Plus streaming version of the film in the kind of extra section. So it's like a really weird thing where there's like still this constant push and pull about whether they include this song. And it's a great song. I do understand that it's maybe a little bit adult for children, but it's not adult in the sense that there's anything rude or there's anything upsetting. She's just singing quite like a plain, like, 
our love's gone you love money too much um yeah I think a lot of it would just go over uh, go over kids heads yeah I think they thought kids would find it boring yeah I probably yeah. would if I was a kid I'd be like oh next <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Miss Piggy as yeah exactly as Cratchit yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god Miss Piggy at the end when she's like Oh, I've got something to say to you, Mr. Scrooge. (laughs) (laughs) I love Miss Piggy. She's an icon. She, honestly, an icon. Um, And you know, and I I don't like all the Jennifer Coolidge, like people making fun of Jennifer Coolidge because I think she's genuinely fantastic. If you haven't seen season one and two of The White Lotus, Jennifer Coolidge is genuinely exceptional. But I do agree when people are like, get her to play Miss Piggy live yeah. action Miss Piggy she would be so funny and like yeah, ironic really and yeah so on with the stage door secrets mm-hmm. open the door um, <laughs> Jim Henson uh, the creator of the Muppets um, and patriarch of the Henson family empire um, he reportedly had a pretty bad first marriage to his first wife Jane Nabel he had all five of his children with Jane, but due to his busy work schedule and obsession with his creative work on the Muppets, he himself admitted that he had very little time to spend with her or their children. So when the children were really young, he was just not around and their marriage kind of dissolved. Um, his children have also reported saying that the best way of being around their father when they were younger was to work with him. And that is very interesting because all five of them ended up working for the Henson the Jim Henson company um so there I think that's a really interesting like thing that people talk about especially in America people talk about Jim Henson as being like he's like a Mr. Rogers type figure like he's a he was like a father to many children who watched the Muppets and blah 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 and like that's quite an interesting like dark juxtaposition I guess is actually because of his obsession I don't think he wasn't a bad father he was just kind of absent um, and I think it's very interesting that all of his children have clung on to puppetry and have clung on to the Muppet Empire. Also, they're making a lot of money from it. Um, yeah. So vividly, I think that's really fascinating. So a quick rundown then of the Henson Family Five, as I'm calling them. Uh, let's hope that they come out with the with an album. Um, we have. <laughs> I got the reference. Thanks. <laughs> we have. Lisa Henson, she is the oldest daughter and she is the current CEO of the Jim Henson Company and she oversees all Muppet TV and Filmworks and she's currently serving as an exec producer for Guillermo del Toro's new adaption of Pinocchio, so excited, and the upcoming feature film The Portable Door. We have our boy, director of Muppet's Christmas Carol, Brian Henson. He is the oldest son and he is currently chairman of the board for the Jim Henson Company and also an award-winning director, producer, actor, writer for film and television. And he is also an avid puppeteer. We have Cheryl Henson. She's the middle daughter and she is president of the Henson Foundation, which promotes the art of puppetry in America and offers grants to puppet artists and theatres. Um, second to last then we've got John Henson he is the second oldest son and he sadly passed away in 2014 after a fatal heart attack before his death he was a very skilled carpenter and another avid puppeteer performing the character of Schweedums for over 10 years for the Muppets and serving as a board member for the Jim Henson company 
And lastly, we have Heather Hansen, and she is the youngest daughter, and she is again a kind of contemporary puppet artist whose work, and this is in her own words, promotes harmony and healing for the planet through artistic spectacle and discussion. And Muppets. (laughs) (laughs) She also sits on the board of directors for the Jim Henson Company. So all five of them. It's like Succession. I want to see Succession, but it's the Jim Henson Company. It's the Muppets. Oh my goodness, could you imagine a new HBO show? And it's because it's like, realistically, I know that Lisa's the oldest, she's the CEO. I don't know what was. It feels like there must have been a succession style battle for that top CEO position. Oh, yeah, definitely. Could you imagine a Muppets? Could you imagine like a show as serious as Succession about the Henson family, but they're played by Muppets? Played by Muppets. Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Miss Piggy would be the CEO. I, <laughs> Miss Piggy would absolutely own being CEO. I'm just picturing yeah. her like in an office in like all black with like feet up on the desk, cigarette <laughs> in hand. <laughs> yeah, cigarette. She would have like a yeah. pearl choker, matching pearl earrings, like a little like boot clay jacket with pearl buttons. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> and like a martini in one hand. Yeah. Yeah, Get out, definitely you're fired. a martini. um yeah i want to see it in fact i'm gonna patent that right now anyone listening if there's ever gonna be a succession style show about the hensons that is me putting my claim on the idea copywriting it and they will be all played by muppets (laughs) um so a bit of a scandal then in 2017 the jim henson company fired actor steve whitmore who had voiced and operated Kermit between 1990 and 2017. So, Cheryl Henson spoke out about the decision in a Facebook post, weirdly. I don't know why she's putting out public (laughs) statements. That's so early 2000s, isn't it? I know. (laughs) Excellent. Um, And she said that this is, honestly, this is drama. Steve's performance of Kermit has strayed far from my father's good-hearted, compassionate leader of the Muppets. Steve performed Kermit as a bitter, angry, depressed victim. Depressed <laughs> victim. Worst of all, in the past few years, he has not been funny or fun. Oh my god. Surely that's the writer's fault, not the actor, the voice actor? Also, like, who's directing it? If he's performing Kermit as, like, bitter, angry, depressed, get him to do another take, guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you have the power Sorry. to stop this. <laughs> Kermit, we just need a bit more pep. Can we have some, you know? <laughs> we just need you to be the compassionate leader of the Muppets that we know that you are. So. <laughs> and he's like, all right, guys, just give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty tough being me. Uh, <laughs> That's all you guys want. Sorry. I'm, I'm going into full on... I'm going into full on Kermit monologue about how he's like, life's gone downhill in the past few years. Carry on. That was like a big meme for. Yeah, I was about to say, what is that meme where Kermit the Frog is in a car and he's singing a song? (laughs) What is that meme? There is something. I I I only know the one where like he's falling. He's like falling from the building. Have you ever seen that? Oh yes. (laughs) But you know what? No wonder his life has gone downhill. I know what it is. It's Usher. He sings, um, "Baby, I don't." 
mind he does that song do you guys know what i'm talking oh, about oh yeah 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 yeah. oh my god that is yeah, so funny i do remember that anyone at home that's like what are you talking about we're gonna we'll put a little and, and we'll put like the little clip and you can watch it because it's very very good i was going to say um no wonder his life's gone downhill because he had the very public um breakup with miss piggy that was all over the news <laughs> years I ago know, remember that <laughs> It was like release like public statements. I was like, these beings aren't sentient, so why are they getting a divorce? <laughs> but like, is that the Jim Henson company? Actually, we should try and trace that to see if that was put out by them officially, because if so, mental behavior. Also, if that's been deciding <laughs> at board meetings, I'm really confused about it. Right, guys. <laughs> first of all, this this relationship isn't working. We need to break up Kermit and Miss Piggy. Release a statement, put it on Facebook. <laughs> on Facebook, yeah. <laughs> and then they got back together though, right? Oh, I wasn't aware. Oh, I think I think <laughs> that's Kermit not what he told me. <laughs> <laughs> so in retaliation to the Facebook post, Steve Whitmore, the actor, uh the fired actor, wrote an open letter um after his firing and said, For me, the Muppets are not just a job or a career, or even a passion. They are a calling, an urgent, undeniable, impossible, <laughs> impossible to resist way of life. I don't mean to be laughing because obviously it has been fired. <laughs> this is my life's work since I was 19 years old. That is sad. I feel that I'm at the top of my game, top of his game, and I want all of you who love the Muppets to know that I, were considering, that I would never consider abandoning Kermit or any of the others, because to do so would be to forsake the assignment entrusted to me by Jim Henson, my friend and mentor, but even more, my hero. So he's kind of alluding there that Jim Henson passed the Kermit baton, because Jim Henson used to voice Kermit, onto him. Cheryl, in another Facebook post, loves a Facebook post, this gal, (laughs) she said that her father never directly asked him to take over the role. It was actually Brian Henson who approached him about it. Whitmore also reportedly said that Jim Henson came to him in a dream the night before shooting his first scene as Kermit and gave him his blessing. And this was for A Muppet's Christmas Carol. So it was the night before he started filming for A Muppet's Christmas Carol. How he dreamed that Jim Henson came, came to him as a dream, came to him in a dream and said, like, you have my permission. I want you to be Kermit. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he was as a Muppet, but in my head, he came to him as (laughs) the spirit of Kermit. (laughs) It's me, the ghost of Kermit (laughs) Past. You have all my permissions. (laughs) But don't sleep with Miss Piggy. (laughs) So, some quick fire fun facts about the film Miss Piggy was almost cast as the ghost of Christmas Present, but they wanted to keep it within the kind of Muppet lore and keep her and Kermit in their famous romantic partnership. And Miss Piggy instead took on the role of Emily Cratchit. Um, Brian Henson also confirmed, this is quite sweet, that the shooting star seen in the famous uh, One More Sleep Till Christmas number is actually a nod to the first Muppet movie in 1979 uh, where the Kermit sees a shooting star and it's a nod to Jim Henson who died two years previous. And in every single Muppet movie since, they have had a shooting star to kind of acknowledge Jim Henson's like passing. Aww. Aww. 
Now this bit is very exciting because we have the chance to do our very own fantasy casting using our brand new Mega Mix casting. This part is the show where Rosa will give us a cast from any random show or production and we, which is just Casey and Flo, we will then yes. cast, we will then cast the Muppets Christmas Carol. So without further ado, who do we have auditioning today, Rosa? Um, so I would like to caveat this by saying that we do need, you've got to bear in mind, not only their um, Christmas Carol character, but also the Muppet who played them. Okay. If that makes oh, sense. God, so you have to consider right. who you would cast in a dual role, almost. That's quite complicated. So I have for you today the cast of Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, Okay. I love that show. Okay. I think I'm going to go out there strong and say um, Titus as the ghost of Christmas past. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, How come? I think that I really enjoy the Ghost of Christmas Past performance, that, uh, <laughs> but I think <laughs> it's just a really jolly role and really like um, extravagant, and I feel like Titus could do that. Um, yeah, I agree. I would personally love to see Carol Kane, who plays Lillian. I love Carol Kane uh, as Scrooge. I think it would be really good. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting that you said that because I think oh, I've forgotten the actress's name who plays Kimmy Schmidt, but I think that she Ellie. would be a, Ellie Kemper. Yes. Yeah, I love her. I think that she'd do a really good Kermit. Like I think she'd do <laughs> yeah, Bob Cratchit. Yeah, she would. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe, or maybe Gonzo. I think I think she'd be a very good like narrator as well. I also. My girl Jane Krakowski, who plays um, <laughs> yeah, Jacqueline, I I can't decide where to put her oh, because I really? think she's funny in so many roles. Like she would obviously be a great Miss Piggy. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, thinking. she would be. I want. I would love to also see her do like. I don't know. Like, I almost. I just pure silliness. Like she is just so funny to me. But yeah, she would be a great. I think naturally she would go as a Miss Piggy. Yeah, I that's that's I think that's where I'd cast her. Also, I really love that scene, like the first scene she's in in Kimmy Schmidt, where um she goes, Kimmy, would you like a bottle of water? And takes it out of the fridge, and Kimmy's like, Oh no! And she goes, Okay, and just throws it into the trash. <laughs> I me and you, and actually, when we we got home from like a night out the other night, and we watched just a twenty minute Jacqueline. Is that is um is it Jane Krakowski that's like no shoes on the carpet and um Amy Sedaris like flings her. Mimi Canassis no shoes on the rug and then Amy <laughs> Amy Sedaris as Mimi Canassis does honestly Flo if you and listeners if you have never seen the sequence it is J- Jacqueline so Jane Krakowski's character has bought this like million dollar rug because she's trying to give up this appearance that she's still really, really rich and she's really protective over the rug. She has a kind of like quite odd, um, like upper class, uh, like uh, what, what are they called? Like Stafford wives, or Stepford, like a yeah. Stepford wife kind of character called Mimi Canassis. 
and it's played by Amy Sedaris, so physical comedy's coming. And um, it's just this one scene and Mimi Kinesis bursts into the room and she's about to walk over the rug. And Jane Krakowski goes, Mimi Kinesis? No shoes on the rug. And Amy Sedaris, I don't know how she does it, she, in about, what, 0.5 seconds, yeah, does this so weird quick. flip thing with her feet and she kicks off both of her heels. And it is truly one of the <laughs> finest pieces of physical comedy I've ever seen in my life. It makes me laugh to my core. It is so, so fun. And then she just goes on with her lines. It's like, Mimi Kinesis, no shoes on the rug. Anyway, like it's so quick. Like It's like, bang, 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 bang. You don't even register that it's happening. Ugh. Hilarious. And actually, John Hamm would be an absolutely hilarious, like, if you did that thing where he, like, double plays himself as Marley and Marley. I think that would be so funny, John Hamm. Actually, Gonzo, so the narrator, Gonzo, I actually think it could be Titus's boyfriend. You know, is it Mikey? Mikey Politano. Oh, yes. Yes, the builder. <laughs> I think he would be really Is he like good. a builder? Yeah, the builder. Yeah. yeah, I think he would be a great gonzo narrator. I think that would really work. And um, Mimi Kanasis, uh, aka Amy Sedaris, any of the... You know the really frightening... Um, is it The Ghost of Christmas? What's the one the, that's like the, a child? Is that like The Ghost of Christmas Present? But she used to terrify me as a child. She's really scary. I think... Mimi Kanasis, Amy Sedaris would be great at that. Because it's really frightening. It's like, Mr. Scrooge. Like, <laughs> So we have, as it stands, we have Jane Krakowski, uh, whose character in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is Jacqueline Voorhees, um, playing Miss Piggy. We have Titus Burgess, or Titus Andromeda in Kimmy Schmidt, um, as the ghost of Christmas past. Uh, we have Carol Kane, Lillian, as Mr. Scrooge, which honestly I would pay such good money to see. I think she would end up with an Academy Award. She's fantastic. Um, we have John Hamm in a dual role as Marley and Marley. Um, <laughs> Ellie Kemper, uh, aka Kimmy Schmidt, as our Bob Cratchit. And we have Michael Carlson, aka Mikey Politano, as Gonzo, aka Charles Dickens, the narrator. Uh, we also have Amy Sedaris playing the horrible, ghoulish baby uh, Ghost of Christmas Present. I think that's a pretty good cast. I think we have done well with Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And I would love to see Titus Burgess sing all of the numbers from A Christmas Carol. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much, everyone, uh, for joining us for our silly short Christmas episode. Uh, we love the Muppets Christmas Carol and we would invite anyone who hasn't watched it in a while or who has never seen it to go and revisit it. You've got Michael Caine acting his bloody Shakespeare socks off. You've got Miss Piggy uh, as Miss Cratchit um, and you've got Cheeses for our Mises. Come on, what more could you possibly want from a film? It is exceptional. We just want to say a huge thank you uh, to all of our listeners here from Sunday on the Pod. We've had a fantastic first year. We've absolutely loved bringing you our hot takes and our analysis of your favourite shows. And we really want to continue doing this uh, next year and in the years to come. So please, as a Christmas gift to us, rate and review us uh, wherever you listen. And please share us with your friends and family. Pass the word around. It really helps us build up more of an audience for our little show. 
we hope uh, whatever you're doing over this winter break that it is relaxing and it's filled with love and time with family and friends um and all that's left to say really is kermit bless us everyone and just like that we've been cheeses for us mises happy holidays bye <laughs> bye, bye. That's cute. <laughs>